award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Got a fun show for you today. We are at the Florida Largemouth Bass Facility at Humboldt Hatchery, and uh, this is going to be a great show. And I'm happy to have Miss Amy Spencer with me, Snyder Spencer, helping me co-host. However. <laughs> I always give her two last names. Uh, but I appreciate her being here helping co-host with us today. And then we have uh, Mr. David Roddy and Tom Pratt with us to talk about this facility. It's going to be a fun show. It is. It's a neat facility. It uh, is. It's one it, of a kind. It, yes, it is. So uh, I think it's going to be fun, and I'm excited to learn about about this place and about what they're doing here. So uh, I know a lot of people out there are excited about Florida largemouth bass, big bass. Big bass get people excited. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, this is what this facility is going to do. It's going to create that for uh, a lot of lakes across the state. So uh, it's exciting. So we're going to jump into it. First, I want to introduce everybody. I want to uh, let you introduce yourself. So let's start with, with Tom here since he's next to Amy. Tom, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do for the agency and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I uh, started here as a technician back in 2007 and uh, uh, promoted to a manager position in 2010 and I've been a manager here at Humboldt Fish Hatchery ever since. So Le Leading the way here, huh? Yeah. So, uh, so great job i've enjoyed every minute of it yeah well i you know you went to school for this right you wanted to be in fisheries so i mean you you gotta love what you're doing yeah I've, I've wanted to be in fisheries ever since i was five or six years old it's something that i've always loved to do and yeah um uh i've just really enjoyed it Awesome, awesome. Well, David, tell us about yourself. What what do you do for the agency? You've been with us a little while, and you've, and you've worked at a few hatcheries, and now you're out in the Nashville office, I guess, now. That's right. I'm the uh, statewide uh, hatchery coordinator. I oversee uh, 11 of our hatcheries, cold water and warm water. So it's, it's constant uh, between the hatcheries. Um, the cold water goes throughout the year, and then warm water starts up in March, with, especially with this facility. Um, so I, over, uh, I help the hatchery managers any way possible, and I also oversee the hatchery expansion and improvement as well. But uh, I'm here to support those guys. My job is to uh, make sure they succeed yeah. in any, any way I can. Well, I know you, you started out working at some hatcheries and, ha and had those hands-on jobs, and now you're still hands-on helping these guys and getting getting them what they need like you said and, and uh, yeah I started as a technician in the reservoir and then uh, got promoted to the Springfield hatchery Springfield yeah, that's right I yeah. was up there about 23 years and then all that experience I'm able to help these new guys coming in we're getting new hatchery managers coming in so I'm able to support them as they uh, learn the system because it's each hatchery is different just like a child the personalities are all different yeah well you know you think uh, of the agency you think of law enforcement you know you think game wardens but there's so many other opportunities within the agency so many jobs out there with wildlife fisheries IT. we were talking IT. about it problems earlier i mean it's it's not just game wardens even yeah. that's what most people think it's fisheries it's wildlife it's it it's mm -hmm. License sales. <laughs> yeah, it's all kinds it's of stuff. everything. Communications, what we're doing here, yeah. getting the word out and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, the agency's an awesome place to work. but um. 
So, Let's, yeah, jump yeah, in. Also, give us a little background history on this facility. I know a lot of people don't understand or know about this facility at all. So, I mean, as an officer, I didn't even know we had it, and I was a couple counties over and didn't even, you know, it was for here for years before I even knew about it. So, explain why we have this facility. Well, the, the Florida Bass Stocking Program goes back to 2000. Uh, 2000 to 2014, we were stocking Chickamauga Reservoir, and we only needed uh, 300,000 fry. We needed about 175,000 fingerlings, so uh, we were getting them from Florida and then mainly in Texas. And the funny thing is, early on, we were getting them shipped FedEx, <laughs> and, and I remember FedEx pulling into the hatchery, and the, the fish boxes were standing up like this between the driver, oh, and they man. were two days late, and I just kind of dumped them in the raceway because they were already dead so we were able to get our pilot Barbara Schaefer to, to make that flight yes and so that improved our success rate but uh, in so you flew them flew them from, from Texas, Texas and Florida Texas yeah. to Humboldt Springfield Normandy uh, that that was the three hatcheries back then so and Chickamauga exploded, you know, with the state record in 2015. Right. Mm -hmm. Mr. And, Dave Keene. Yeah, yep. and fish management decided uh, to expand the project. And so we kind of ran, we went to Florida and Louisiana and Texas to get these fry. And we knew we couldn't do that because they, they were mainly surplus fry. Okay. They weren't really making them for us. Wasn't the cream of the crop. Well, it was, but they weren't making them for gotcha, us. De gotcha. Dedicated. We were just. We just got the excess. The excess. <laughs> yeah. So, we knew that we had to have this. So Tom and I uh, went to to Florida, looked at the Rich Loan facility, and got ideas. And uh, the problem here is we can't do it outside. We had to build an inside uh, facility, and this is a recirculating facility. It's the only one in the nation. In Florida bass spawning. Wow. And because of our spring temps, we've got to keep this water at 72 degrees for those spawn. And that's kind of what you hear in the background is the filters running. We got UV filters. And then uh, maybe if they see behind you, we got the blue the blue tanks that have this bio balls in there. Okay. That uh, has bacteria. The Florida bass brood are real sensitive ammonia. So this this bacterial filtration consumes that ammonia so it's non-toxic so um, I kind of went down a rabbit hole but it, we needed this place because we're we needed 1.3 million fry and this is the only way we could do it and we've got 30 females and 20 males in each raceway and uh, Tom can update you on what's happened this year in the last two weeks well, a few years ago, I came out, we did a Facebook story on this, and I think we were at 975 on Fry, and you just informed me we were at 1.3 last year. Right. So every year, we are seeing that increase in that Fry. Right. As the fish get older, they're going to be, you know, putting down more eggs, and and uh, and what's uh, important for them is that they get enough forage throughout the year. So... To produce those eggs so um, I mean I feed them I have four ponds and I'll give them approximately 2,000 to 2,500 pounds of forage per year um, and that amount of forage it will increase as their size um, 
uh, increases. So. Now, you keep the males and females separate in those ponds, right? Yes. Okay, so when they're outside, they're separated, and they're eating, you said forage, but what people don't realize is you're actually feeding them goldfish. Right, right. Goldfish, uh, the uh, biomass on them, are, it's a good thick fish, so I think that uh, they get the right amount of nutrients to gain weight, and, yeah. and that's what we want. We want to produce as many as we can, so... So how long will a, a broodfish last? How long can you use one to, to spawn and, and do this work? Um, well, uh, th this is our the first broodfish that we've ever dealt with. So okay. I know down Beginning in Florida. Beginning stages. Yeah. Right. So down in Florida, they use they use them for, ten, what, 10, 11 years, years or so. Okay. Wow. And then uh, so this year I'm probably going to be setting some um, potential broodfish back. So... Um, I'll put a hundred off in a pond, and I'll I'll begin in, begin the feeding process, and in two to three years they'll be ready to start spawning in the facility. So, and our, our broodfish uh, are is from Texas, Louisiana, and Florida, so we've got a good genetic background. Okay. And when we were setting this up, we took fin clips off each brood, male and female, and sent them to Auburn, and they do a genetic test. And we want 97% to 100% Florida bass. And that's, we, that's what we've got. There's a couple that were below 90, and we just threw them back. And yeah. So we want pure Floridas in, in this program. So once you have these fish, where are they going? Chickamauga is probably one of the places they're going, but where are we putting these, these fry once they're, they're ready to be moved around the state? The fry goes to, of course, Humboldt. They've got the most ponds, uh, Normandy, uh, Hawassi, uh, Springfield, and Eagle Bend. And then they grow them up. Right, okay. And then those fingerlings go in Fort Loudon, uh, Watts Bar, Chickamauga, Nickajack, uh, Kentucky, and then we've got an H.C. Lake, Herb Parsons. And so we've been stocking those reservoirs in that lake since 2015 so last year our reservoir crew started sampling to see how our stocking's done uh -huh. and this will make a hatchery coordinator and a hatchery manager happy because they're <laughs> picking them up last year they picked up florida bass and they actually picked up the f1 which is the northern our our native northern largemouth with the cross with the floridas is the f1 and that's that's what we want that f1 will give you a trophy mm. bass and a good example of that F1, we were just discussing, uh, we posted last week on TVA, had shocked up a large bass, 12 pounds, and mm -hmm. then we shared it to our Facebook page. And that is exactly what, what we're looking is. for. That's that F1 that we're trying to create and we're, we're, we're putting out there for, the, for we, all of our sportsmen. That F1 gives us trophy bass and it also increases the bass length and weight. And... Um, Chickamauga, if you drive through Dayton, there's yeah. all the hotels yeah. are full of boats. Yeah. So the economic impact down there has been crazy. That's Big exploded. bass equal money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we, we, shoot, we shoot for 40% Florida alleles in our bass population. So chick is there. So we just kind of supplement chick. Um, if we have low production, chick doesn't get as much as the others. Okay. Because they're already at that 40%, and our geneticist in Auburn said that's perfect. So that's what we're shooting for over the, the years, probably 15 years. All these reservoirs will be up to 40, let's hope. Yeah. Well, I know folks are probably stopping the show right now and rewinding. Tell them what lakes those fish are going in again. <laughs> yeah, that's one of actually our popular <laughs> questions uh, when we did this on social media a couple of years ago. Yeah. Where do they go? 
it's mainly that Tennessee River. So okay. with Chick there, uh, we, we started on Fort Loudon, Watts Bar, Chickamauga, Nickajack. See, that's all in the chain. Mm -hmm. And then Kentucky, and then Herb Parsons in Memphis. Well, they do they do better down in that chain, don't you think? Is that what y'all are finding? It is. Uh, there's, in theory, a line that comes out of Oklahoma and goes right through Tennessee and then kind of dips down. And uh, with, that magic line. With climate change, <laughs> it may be up in Canada now. With the last couple of years, it's been really crazy spring. But uh, they find out that's the best growth rate. Uh -huh. It's a stock in that line. And, and so to find out Fort Loudon is doing good, that's, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, there might be a time where we get some of these lakes in the northern parts of the state might get, might get more of these fish. But right now, you're staying in that lower... We're maxed out. Dang, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can't put any more production ponds in our hatcheries. Gotcha, and yeah. If, if we do expand, we're going to have to expand this type spawning facility somewhere right. else. Well, you've proved in a one-of-a-kind, the only kind of a, of a hatchery this is, you've proved you can do it. So we could... And set a record last year with recreate fry. this, yeah. <laughs> we want to stock these Florida bass earlier than the native northern spawn. It'll get them ahead of the, the natural native uh, on the shad spawns and any other forage coming on. So we kind of give them a heads up over yeah. the natives. A little head start there. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's a challenge. I've bass fished the last couple of weeks, and and uh, you can tell when they're going to bed, when they're spawning, and you know they're not fishing the same way they were weeks ago. You know, and the temperature drops and changes so much right now. I can see that's probably a huge challenge for you, Tom, right here in this place. Right. Uh, but but since you have the climate controlled opportunities here, it makes it so much easier. And I can see how an open system would be hard. Right. And I mean, even with this closed system, um, they can sense uh, storm fronts. Really? Right. And it, which is pretty amazing to me. I mean, they, uh, one day you might have two spawns, and then the next day you might get four spawns. Well, the next, uh, the day after that, you might end up with 18. Hmm. Um, and it's going along different storm fronts that may come, may be coming through. So it, it's it's a pretty neat, you know, process that they uh, that you wouldn't think that they would be able to sense that inside a building and being in a closed system. Controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Now explain to our listeners pretty much how this works. The schedule, when you bring it in, how it works in here, because we haven't really talked about the facility, but let's, like, your calendar year, when you start to bring them in, and what happens after we bring, after y'all bring them in? Well, it all starts uh, in January. At the end of January, we'll bring koi into the raceways, and the koi, the fecal matter from the koi, start up the biofilters. So we want that ammonia-eating bacteria uh, to, to start up and... Um, and we'll leave them in here for about a month and then we'll at the end of february we bring the bass in here and at the time the uh, the water temp will be around 62 degrees uh we'll turn on the heaters and every three to four days we'll bring that temperature up slowly and uh, until we hit 72 degrees and by that time it'll be towards the end of march and uh they'll end up uh, being ready to spawn by as soon as we're ready to throw down mats, in which the mats are what they spawn on. They look like grass uh, mats. Yeah, they right. look black grass, grass mats. Right, yeah. and uh, 
as soon as we put them in the water, the males go up and find their mate. Yeah, we can and, see two from a right. pair right here. And they'll end up, uh, we'll have spawns the next day. Wow. So, uh, and then from then on, and nobody gets a day off. We're here seven <laughs> days a week. They must work yeah. for the state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're here every day. I haven't had a day off in almost a month now. So fish get, talk to David. He'll get you one. <laughs> right. No, no David. Everybody gets a day off when this is over with. But what y'all do next is you'll collect the mats. Right. And then um, explain how you kind of you take the mats and you treat them with hydrogen peroxide and all that so go from once y'all collect the mats over to these other tanks over here to the side on the side right uh we'll all these mats are checked daily and uh if we see a mat with eggs uh they'll we'll put them in a trough we'll hang them there and uh the hydrogen peroxide which treats fungus uh to make sure none of the eggs get any type of fungus because they'll rampant you know mm, yeah. through yeah. there so if you ever, yeah. um, and then they'll stay in that bath for about an hour and uh, then we'll kind of clear the clear the trough we'll let just water run through the uh, trough uh -huh. and to get all the hydrogen peroxide out of the trough and we'll end up uh, uh, they'll end up hatching in two days and so it's, it's a really quick process. how quick it is. So I've, is it, what's the hatching pro uh, process like? I mean, are you hands-on with that, or does it just happen on the mat? It just happens right on the mat. Though. Okay. Once the mat is hanging vertically okay. in the water, and uh, uh, once they hatch, they just kind of fall down to the bottom. They'll hang out on the bottom of the trough for about five days, and then they'll begin the swim-up process. Cool. And uh, then they're just swimming all along the water column so awesome and at that point i guess they they come out of here and go to the go to the pond is that right right uh after uh once they start sw free swimming in the trough uh we'll collect them up and uh we'll stock i'll stock between 75 to 100,000 per acre of water that mm -hmm. i have and so uh, and we'll keep them in there between 35 and 45 days and then they go across the, the Kentucky state. Lake. Yeah. So uh, you've mentioned it earlier before we started the show that you were going to load some up today and take some take some of them to the other hatcheries, right? Right. So that's this is the place. This is the place that provides that for the whole state. Everybody comes here. One other thing that we've got some technology in here. Uh, we adjust the lights. These are dimmable lights, so we try to do a photo period similar to what's outside. Okay. Gotta set the mood a little bit. So when he <laughs> exactly slow music. Slow music. Uh, so when he brings a brood in, they start adjusting. Right now we're kind of like sunlight. We're bright. Yeah. So at about four o'clock, they uh, will dim these lights, and they're on timers. Uh huh. So we try to do what is it, a 14-hour period now. Yes. So when he brings them in, they're set at 12, and then they slowly bring that up. And they slowly bring the heat up, so we're we're adjusting to their. The heat is we're on. Setting the mood for a while. <laughs> right. We do need some music in it. <laughs> right. uh, I wonder how that would affect the fish. <laughs> it did, uh, well, if we're struggling, we may try some berry white. <laughs> uh, and I wondered about being in here. I mean, I know you work in here every day, but be, people being in here does that affect the fish? Does that affect how they spawn? Um, I, normally I don't try to walk them down the raceways throughout the day. Like what we do is outside or at the 
forefront of the gotcha um so we don't try to bother them at all that way they don't jump off the mat and just let them get their spawn yeah, done because you can kind of see when you walk down through here right. they'll, they'll kind of come off but you know that they've been there all that, morning that's on that probably one. a pair right there and yeah we don't want to spook them no right. they're gonna have some eggs yeah yeah, yeah that's cool so uh, a temperature light uh, bacteria what's some other challenges that you see here and, and you have to face well you know um, in years past we have had like a moisture problem in here um, but uh, last year we stuck these uh, a ventilation system in here to draw moisture out because the humidity will get so high in here and it's uh, we'd have water dripping off the ceiling or whatever but that's all uh, I believe we've got it all fixed. So. Well, and if you look at this facility, there are a lot of working parts between pipes and water flows. And then, like in this year, did the our major freeze in February mess anything up? I know it got something else, but... Uh, right. I mean, well, it didn't... Well, it affected, uh, I believe, one of our pipes on uh, one of the UV filters. It, it uh, uh, I don't know, it, I think the... As cold as it got, it kind of cracked one of the pipes, so gotcha. we had to replace it. So Early on when we started this, our brood was smaller, and it looked like the males had ran out of their juice, and uh -huh. we got a lot of fungus eggs, and now as they're older, they're, they're spawning more efficiently. But those first couple of years, so we got to train them. So when we bring them in out of the ponds and they see the raceways and, oh, those mats. Yeah. They, they're, it's a whole new thing. Yeah. They're trained, really, yeah. when they hit these raceways, what they're going to do. And that's true for the other states as well. That was one thing they were telling us. I'm but, sure you uh, learned a lot from those guys, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, they've uh, been doing it a while. And yeah. y'all have learned a lot here just in bass <laughs> yeah. behavior and then trial and error, too. So right. over the years of meeting some challenges. A lot of gray hair. It's not, I'd say it's not an easy, it's not an easy process. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's oh, this staff good science. Is doing yeah. a great job. Because if they don't produce them, we, we can't go back to the other states yeah. and then say, oh, we need some fry. Because they're usually, Louisiana is, is doing this in February. They're producing because right. it's so warm down there. So we had a short window, and now if something happens, we can't get any more fry. So uh, the staff has done a tremendous job in, in doing this. It's, it's pretty neat to see what they've done over the few years and tweaking everything. So... They, they've done a great job. Yeah. Do we see any addition to this uh, years down the road? Do you think we'll increase this facility, or you think we're going to be able to produce the number that we need for our lakes? We can do it with our brood now. We would just have to go further. And, and like I said earlier, we try to get the fry in the ponds by mid-March, I mean mid-April. And we could go further, because oh. these things will spawn probably in another month didn't we first if, couple of years yeah we... they could they could keep going because these bass they're not gonna um they don't lay all their eggs in one basket so it, they're multiple spawners so they one the female she'll lay a third of her eggs on this day she may come back in three days from now and lay another third and then maybe finish off i mean she can you know spawn up to three times wow so it's not like a catfish catfish they'll they put all their eggs in one basket and uh, if something happens to those eggs 
it's they're not going there's no more mm. so but yeah bass are multiple spawners so wow or i guess you could say uh they put their all their egg, or a third of their eggs in one mat. Right, right, <laughs> right. right, right. <laughs> and, and also, for some reason, they won't hit the mat. They'll hit the concrete. Oh, so right. that, you know, yeah. we probably got more spawns than what we're actually pulling out. Right. Really? Yeah, because uh, sometimes you'll see fry swimming around. In and the ladies, race you're race. familiar with this when you clean around the uh, bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> we know yeah. how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I had another question about these um, the goldfish. Do y'all raise those, or do y'all get those from somewhere? Do you raise your own food for these guys? Yes. Well, we in years past we we started spawning goldfish, and but we found it to be uh, more successful if we purchase the uh, goldfish fry from a vendor. Gotcha. Um, and and. They'll send us a box that has about 150,000 fry, and then we'll divide that into a couple ponds, and uh, we'll they get fed. Once they get of size, they'll get fed fish feed mm-hmm. every day, and that way we can get them bigger quicker. Right. So, yeah. So, how, uh, talk about your staff real quick. I know we haven't really touched on that. How, how, how many men do you have here working, and ladies here working with you, and, and make this happen? Um, there, uh, there's. Um, well, we have four technicians, five technicians, I think. We got <laughs> Kenneth. That's awesome. I'm trying to I think. Mean. Kenneth. Uh, it's five total in close. Right, right. Yeah. So five. Four five, Right. Um, uh, they're here. Like, they're, Every day. They're in right, the spirit, yeah. Right. We yes. have one technician that lives here at the facility. Okay. So if there's something that comes up, I mean, he's out Ready there. Ready to respond. Right. Out there in the middle of the night. And there's... Uh, uh, like when we're drawing down ponds, uh, there's a guy here. He, if he's having an issue drawing down a pond, like he'll he'll be out there one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, uh, to make sure that that pond is uh, down at eight o'clock that next morning wow. for us to harvest it. So I mean, there's a lot that people don't realize that goes behind in. the scenes, right? These uh, things to make it successful, so, right? A lot of equipment to keep up, a lot of. Right. All that stuff too, I'm sure. You know, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's uh, everybody's unique in their own way. So yeah. Uh, and remember, when you're buying those hunting and fishing license, you're help paying for this. Right. You're help putting it back into our waterways, and people just really don't realize what we really do behind the scenes. This right. is all fishery money right here. Yeah, yeah. A lot of hard work. A lot of uh, good experience. A lot of good. Uh, and Smart a lot of people. and yeah. good employees because you can't. Yeah, yeah you they're can't, extremely you can't have, hard yes, workers. You can't have somebody yeah. let you down. Yes, they're very reliable, and it's amazing what some of our folks can do. You know, you may be trained in fisheries, but they're great welders. They're great yes. plumbers. They're it's great. You know, they're jack right. of all trades. You're, yes. you're doing plumbing work. You're doing <laughs> collecting you eggs. Be. You're doing yeah. it all. Yes. Yeah. Well, Tom and David, I appreciate you guys. You know being a part of this show allowing us to come in here and shoot from the, the facility so folks can see it and it's awesome uh, so uh, and no we don't let people in here for that reason because no we tours. don't want <laughs> yeah we don't want the fish to get disturbed because yeah. you know we don't want people walking up and down the raceway so before you ask can we come tour the facility no we we really don't let tourists in here right. so. it's a biosecurity as well right there are some hatcheries when covid yes. lifts you can go visit and check those out but not this one but yes. anyway uh we're going to do another show uh 
on the property here soon, uh, Davy Crockett Lake. So come by and check that out. You can fish out there. So uh, we'll do a show about that. And uh, guys, I appreciate you. Appreciate you letting us come in. And uh, yeah. uh, I know folks will appreciate this show. Appreciate this information. Thank y'all for coming. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Amy. No problem. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.